Let's all stand and let's have all the men that will come and let's just gather around the altar. Let's take this service to the Lord today and let's pray that the Lord will move. Let's pray that he'll work. That is the purpose of our gathering today, to worship the Lord. We are glad that you're here. Let's pray. Father, this morning in Jesus' name, as we come today, we gather today as unworthy recipients of all that you've done. But we're grateful for your grace, and we're grateful for all that you've done for us and for all that you allow us to know and to experience. Father, it's all because of the Lord Jesus. And I pray today that his name will be honored, his name will be lifted up, his name will be magnified. And may the blessed Spirit of God draw us into worship, to worship our risen Lord. Father, meet every need today in this service. Glorify your name in the process. You know the need, and I pray it open every heart, make every heart receptive to your word. Father, visit us today. Give us a fresh word from you. Would you meet us today? Confront us with your truth. And may our lives be changed and transformed as a result of our gathering this day. For it is in the name of the Lord Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Get out of our seat now, fellowship one with another. Welcome our visitors today.
book, turn over to page number 35. Page 35 in the songbook. great song. Let's let our ushers come forward to receive our offering, and as they do so, let me say it's a joy to have you that are visiting with us today, and we'd appreciate so much if you'd take a moment to fill out a visitor's card. We'd like to drop you a note this week and some information about the church. If you were given a bulletin as you came in this morning, there's a card in there you can tear out and use. If not, there's some cards in the back of the pews. If you'll take just a moment and fill one of these out, we'd appreciate it so much, but good to have all of you that are visiting with us, Gary and Michelle, good to have you with us. See you in the balcony. Good to have R.J. City back with us today. Let's welcome R.J. back. <laughs> he's doing good. Bobby pushed him off a ladder, and he's good to have him back in the services this morning. Don't Let me just make mention of a couple of things. Uh, of course, the mission committee meeting is tonight. We have moved everything forward one week, uh, backward one week due to the uh, program that we had. So all of you in the mission committee, if you'll make note of that. 
And then a note was given to me that uh, the Awana date is not confirmed. I think it said in a bulletin, maybe the 23rd. It's not a confirmed date. They'll let you know just as soon as they confirm that. Let, let me encourage you to keep on praying now about your giving and everything, especially in our building. Someone gave me a gift this morning to put into the building fund. And by next Sunday morning, everything should be framed in. You're going to get a good idea what things are going to start looking like out front. But uh, let me encourage all of you to be faithful in your giving. And I thank the Lord for all that he's doing. Let's pray now. You give, be faithful this morning in your giving. Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to give to you. And I pray today you'll be honored through our giving. Continue to open our hearts to what you have for us in this service. In Jesus' name, amen.
Nothing is impossible with him. I'm so glad I know that today. I have that song on a tape that Rick gave us to practice with, and oh, I tell you, I went down the road so many times just praising the Lord that nothing, nothing is impossible with him. Calvary came through once again. When I needed it most, all I needed when I, my heart was so low was to see the cross and remember his suffering, and that was what I needed.
couldn't come to where my Savior was. He looked down, had mercy. He came to me. Praise his holy name this morning. Give him all the praise and the honor and the glory. Hallelujah. Folks, that is so, so true. Amen. I think about Psalm 40. said, He brought me up 
out of the miry clay, out of a pit. He brought me up. We were in a pit. We couldn't get out of it. But he came into that pit, and he brought us up out of that pit. I was in a meeting somewhere, and this old fellow got up and he testified, and this is the way he put it. He said, he jerked me up by the hair of my head, set my feet on a solid rock, put a new song in my heart. And I thought, I hadn't heard that translation before, but I kind of like that. Amen. I remember when he jerked me up by the hair of the head, put my feet on a solid rock. Praise the Lord for the good music and the message behind it all this morning. It is a joy to have Victor Maxwell with us, and he was with us last year, and it's our honor to have him back. He's pastor of the Banbridge Baptist Church in Northern Ireland, just outside of Belfast. I first became acquainted with Brother Maxwell through a book entitled The Authentic Servant, his book on Mark, and then his little book on Colossians, and then other books, and and then, of course, had the privilege of meeting him, and I have grown to appreciate this, serve the Lord, and cherish the moments we have had together, and I have great confidence and respect for this dear man of God, and I often ask him things, his advice, his opinion on matters through email. Praise the Lord for electronic mail in this generation. Amen. We can communicate around the world. But it's a joy to have him back with us today. Would you welcome him, welcome him to Temple Baptist Church? Brother Maxwell. Okay. Well, Brother Ken, thank you very much for the very kind words of welcome returning here this morning to Temple Baptist Church. It's a joy to be with you. I've enjoyed the warmth of your welcome, the kindness of your hospitality, and the music this morning has just lifted my heart. Indeed, not only lifted, but melted my heart. You, you were quoting Psalm 40 back there in Northern Ireland. We generally say that when the Lord lifts us out of the mire, it's out of the mire and into the choir. He put a new song into my mouth. And we thank God for our, that message our brother Ronnie brought to us this morning. Uh, I'm the guy who speaks funny. Uh, we come from Northern Ireland, and our accent is a little bit different. And uh, we want to thank you for your prayers uh, on behalf of God's work over there in, in our land. Our land is a troubled land. But thank God, in the midst of trouble, God does bless, and God is blessing. And we thank God for that this morning. I invite you please today to open your Bible with me in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. The Lord willing, we're looking forward to welcoming your pastor to our church there in Northern Ireland. And uh, a, it's a, an invitation that has been standing for some time. And I know that through email and through uh, some of the, the cassettes that have gone over there already, his ministry is greatly appreciated in our land. And many of my fellow pastors over there already know him by name, pray for him, and the work here at Temple Baptist Church. Can I just mention that I do have a number of books with me this morning. I have the latest book that we just brought out called Handling Hot Potatoes, Healing Broken Hearts. The hot potatoes are 10 real-life incidents of people who are passing through and trying to cope with difficult situations. Families coping with suicide, coping with rape and child abuse. Parents with an aching heart because of an empty crib or a handicapped child. Some families facing danger like the, the family I know well where their 29-year-old daughter was blown to bits in a car bomb two months before the date of her wedding. 
And so it's addressing these real-life issues such as danger in the heart of Africa. And yet the healing of broken hearts is applying the scriptures for our Savior said that he was come to bind up the broken heart. So here uh, are not only ten real-life situations, but out of the scriptures applying counsel, comfort, and guidance from the Holy Scripture. Other books down there is one is a biography of a, a good friend called Ernie Allen in a book called Mission to Millions. Ernie Allen is a man whose heart was deeply touched by Oswald J. Smith. And through the vision of Oswald J. Smith, he, he caught the vision for worldwide evangelization. He is not a platform man. As a matter of fact, he hasn't traveled very far beyond the British Isles. But tens of thousands of people around the world have come to know Christ through his ministry, the ministry of literature. And so from every home crusade there in Belfast, three tons of literature turned out every day. It takes something like $5,000 a day to keep that ministry going. And all of that is done without asking or appealing for a single cent of money. And God is honoring that work. The story of Ernie Allen is down there as indeed... I put together this book for Dennis Lyle, one of my fellow pastors, pastor of one of the biggest Baptist churches in Northern Ireland, Dennis Lyle. Countdown to Apocalypse, the unlocking of Bible prophecy. These and other books are uh, there. You're welcome to browse around them this morning as you leave the service. Going back to Romans chapter 8, and we're reading at the familiar words of verse 28. The apostle is writing and says, And we know that all things work together for good, to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution or famine, or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And amen. amen. The Apostle Paul writing to Timothy reminded Timothy, that all Scripture is given by inspiration, by the breath of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Beloved, I'm glad I'm amongst people this morning who respect this book 
and believe not only in the, in the inspiration and infallibility of this book, but also the profitability of this book as applied to our lives. While it is true that all Scripture is profitable, may I suggest to you that in our daily experience, we do find some portions of Scripture more profitable than others. For example, I am absolutely sure that many of you have read Romans chapter 8 far more frequently than you have ever read the book of Obadiah. However, when we come to the Romans chapter 8, beloved, here is, a, here is a chapter that is not only a favorite chapter of the Bible, but for many it's a well-worn chapter, a tear-stained chapter, a chapter from which they get much encouragement and blessing. It is a chapter, my friend, that sweeps up for us all the blessings that God has given to us, bringing to us from no condemnation to those who are in Christ, and lifting us right up into the glory where, thank God, there will be no separation from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus eternally. It is from this chapter that Philip Melanchthon, Luther's companion during the days of Reformation, when he was persecuted and hounded for his stand for the faith, he found comfort, encouragement from the words of verse 31. If God be for us, who can be against us? It is also from this verse and from this chapter that John Bunyan, the writer of Pilgrim's Progress, in that jail in Bedford, England, where again and again he meditated by memory on the words of this tremendous chapter, Romans chapter 8 and verse, one, verse 31, If God be for us, who can be against us? My friend, may I just remind you that in the middle, not quite in the middle, but here in this verse comes to us not only a question, but a, an affirmation of, of how blessed we are this morning. If God be for us. Generally in our English language, the, the word if, if rather, just, suggests some sort of doubt, if God be for us, as if there were a doubt about it. May I just remind you, thank God today there is no doubt about it. Or rather, we should read the word, since God is for us. Then, who can be against us and conquer? My friend, I suggest to you this morning that as we come to this well-known verse, this verse underlines for us and emphasizes to us something of the conflict of life. There is no doubt, my friend, and I'm sure that in your experience, you discovered that once you accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, once you found that you were in Christ, my friend, you found out that you were up against it. There is a dualism in this Christian life. While it is true that God is for us, my friend, may I just remind you that sin is against us. Sin militates against us. The Bible reminds us that death is against us. Satan is against us. Hell is against us. Darkness is against us. The world is against us. But thank God in that conflict, while these things be against us, why the truth of the matter is, God is for us. And I suggest to you that in that conflict of life, thank God there is a great contrast. And the contrast simply is this, thank God, greater is he that is in us and with us than he that is in the world. Why, the Bible reminds us that righteousness is greater than sin. Thank God, grace is greater than all of our guilt. 
Thank God our Savior is stronger than Satan. Life is greater than death. Heaven, my friend, thank God is greater than hell. There is a conflict, but thank God there is here uh, what I'm calling this morning a conquest. A conquest this morning that gives to us a sense of confidence. If God be for us, who can be against us? It is as if the Apostle Paul, in a sweep of his pen, is lifting the believer up these of questions. The Apostle Paul gives to us some great affirmations and confirmations why we can know and how we can know that God is really for us. My friend, let me suggest to you this morning, as you look with me at verse 20, sorry, 29. It says this word, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn amongst many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. I suggest to you this morning, that God is for us in His elective purpose. Now, I know this morning that among some company of believers, if we mention election and predestination, it's like a spiritual hand grenade. It's thrown in amongst them to divide them. And alas, today we live in a time when denominations and uh, groups of God's people, uh, they, they sort of divide themselves into particular camps. They are, as it were, taking theological scalps as who belongs to which particular school. My friend, I just rest my case this morning in the words of the Apostle Paul, who to the Ephesians wrote these words, that we are chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world. Chosen in Christ. My friend, may I just remind you, that before God made anything, before the foundations of this world were ever laid, God thought upon you. Isn't that amazing? As someone has rightly said, eternal love thought upon us. Eternal wisdom planned for us. Thank God eternal grace grasped us. And eternal glory is reserved for us. And all of this because God chose us in Jesus Christ before all else. I remember when I was at a, a camp in the forests of Brazil not too long ago, uh, at the, the break time in the afternoon, although the sun was hot, they decided to play soccer. Soccer, of course, is the, the sport of Brazil. And there were perhaps about 30 or 40 of us all to be chosen for the team. They appointed two captains, and the captain chose one and then another. And after he had chosen almost all of the, the people, there was only myself and the pastor left, and uh, eventually he said to me, you go on that team, and the pastor, you come on our team. I, I, I mean, we, we were sort of humiliated. I mean, we were chosen, but we were chosen last. Eh? You know, after, after they've chosen everybody else, they thought of the pastor. You go on that team, and, and the pastor come on our team. My friend, may I just remind you that when God purposed in eternity, he didn't think of you last. He thought of you first according to his foreknowledge, he predestinated us. Predestinated us to what? 
that we might be conformed to the image of his son. My friend, God purposed in an eternity past. Long before there was a Calvary, long before there was a Bethlehem, long before there was a Garden of Eden, long before there was darkness and light, God thought of you and purposed that you would be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. What a glorious truth this morning. May I just remind you it is in that respect God is for us. God is not only for us today, my friend, but in the very existence of the counsels of God in eternity past. God has always been for us. And thank God always will be for us. God is for us this morning. As a matter of fact, in the midst of this truth, you will find that the Apostle Paul goes beyond tenses because we cannot tie God down to a tense. For example, if you look at verse 30, it says, Moreover, whom he did predestinate. Them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified, declared them to be righteous. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. My friend, may I just remind you that in our Christian experience, on that day when we came to know Jesus Christ as Savior, when, as we heard this morning, we were taken to Calvary. Thank God at Calvary's cross our guilt was dealt with. Uh, not only was our sin removed, but we were clothed upon by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We were justified. Uh, but in our experience, we are not yet glorified. That, my friend, yet awaits us. When Jesus Christ shall appear, he shall transform this weak and vile body like unto his glorious body. Then with the justifier, we will be with. Uh, but in the purpose and counsel and mind of God, my friend, listen, your eternal security is all bound up for whom he did justify. Then he also glorified in the past. I tell you this this morning, there is not a doubt about it. God is for us. God is for us in his elective purpose. However, may I just remind you that God is not only for us in his elective purpose. The Apostle Paul reminds us here that God is for us by the effective working of his power. Would you look at verse 28? Now, I know that oftentimes we quote this verse in difficult times not only to encourage ourselves, but also to comfort others. And sometimes we quote it this way, for all things work together for good. But when we do it that way, we're actually misquoting. The Apostle Paul prefaced, we know, with these words, or rather, he prefaced the words, all things, by saying, for we know that all things work together for good. My friend, there is a sense of assurance. As a matter of fact, that is to be contrasted with verse 26, where the Apostle Paul, reminding us of our weaknesses, especially when we come to the place of prayer, verse 26, likewise also the Spirit helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what things we should pray for as we ought. My friend, in this Christian life, there are many things we do not know. There are many things that we just do not understand. 
As a matter of fact, I dare to say this this morning to you, that oftentimes while passing through troubled waters and the valley of Baca, the valley of tears, sometimes in the midst of suffering, we, not unknown, we do not know how to pray or what to pray for. Or oftentimes we do not even feel like praying. We do not know. As I wrote this book on broken hearts, I don't know why a crib should be left empty. I don't know why some parents should be blessed with what I refuse to call handicapped children. I call them exceptional children. I don't know. I don't know why my friend at 29 years of age buried his wife in the Amazon after barely six weeks in the country when they hadn't even yet learned the language. I just do not know. But this I know. I know that all things work together for good. My friend, may I just remind you that in there we should put the name of God. For we know that God makes all things to work together for good. Would you just for a moment think of those words, all things, not just some things. Think of the things that have happened to you this past week. Would you judge them that they were for your good? Uh, think of the things that have happened this past month or, or indeed since I was here last year. The things that have happened. Death has come to some homes. Tragedy has been visited upon others and some are carrying heavy hearts today. Are these the things of which Paul speaks? My friend, I suggest to you, listen to it. Not all things are good, but God makes them to work for good. It wasn't good. It wasn't good, I say, that Joseph's brothers, not only, not only did they despise him, they deceived him, they sold him down in, as a slave to Potiphar, or to the, to the Midianites. Listen, they did not mean it for good, but thank God, God worked it for good. I don't know about in your house, but I remember when I was a child. When I was a child, it was just after the Second World War. I'll not give my age away just yet, but it was just after the Second World War. And coming up to Christmas, why, back in those days, sultanas, raisins, and such things were rationed. We used to get little coupons, and you took a coupon to the, the shop every month, and that was the measure of sultanas and raisins and and dried fruit that you could buy. However, my brother and I, we, we used to search the house in those months coming up to Christmas, October, November, and we would find where mom had stacked up all of that, that fruit, and, and we would take the currants and take the sultanas and, and eat them. And when it came to that month of December, a mother would look, go to look for the fruit. Why, why she found half of what was missing, and, and of course those prying little hands had, had taken it. Do you know something in baking that Christmas cake? It never occurred to my brother and me that we should steal the flour. I, I would never relish taking a handful of flour to, to eat it, but the currants, yes. I, I would never think of taking that half block of margarine and, and taking a spoon to sup that up. Why, we didn't like the flour. We didn't like the margarine. But we did like the dried fruit. But an amazing thing happens coming to Christmas. Mum can take that dried fruit the flour, the margarine, the salt, and a little bit of water and begin to bake it all together. 
And my friend, while she takes the likable things and the unlikable things and breaks them all together, she makes it all to come together for good and produce the cake. I suggest to you, God takes the bitter and the sweet. He takes the tears and he can take the smiles, he can take the heartache, and he can take the happy experiences of life. And my friend, he brings them all together and at the end of the day we'll be able to say, he hath done all things well. Passing through difficulty today? Do I speak to someone, my friend, whose cheeks are dampened with tears day after day? No one can understand just what is happening in your life. I tell you this this morning, God is for us. He is working in us. He is working out His purpose. Listen to it. God is for us. God is in us. Thank God, my friend, working through the bitter and the sweet, the darkness and the light, the tears and the joy, he makes it all to choose for your good and for his glory. God is for us. For us by his elective purpose that we might be like Christ. For us, for us in his effective power and working for his glory. My friend, may I just ask you to move on quickly with me this morning and go with me to verse 32. Listen to what it says. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justified. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Listen to it. God is for us by the expense of price, paid for us in Calvary. You want to know how much God loves you? You want to know, my friend, how much God is for us? Go to Calvary this morning. May I just remind you, when we look at Calvary, listen to it, there is no limitation upon the price that for you. He said, God spared not His own Son, he didn't give angels nor archangels. My friend, he gave the darling of his bosom. As the apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians, he gave his dearly beloved son. And I suggest to you this morning, you put yourself on one side. Who are you? Who am I this morning? I am a sinner, a rebel against the holy God, but God so loved me. But when I consider his only Begotten Son, sinless and perfect. God, a very God, my friend. God so loved me that He sacrificed His Son. No limitation upon that love. And may I just remind you, Christian, this morning, it is not only that God loved, He still loves. And nothing shall ever separate us from that love. Uh, God is for us this morning by the expense that He paid for us. Not only no limitation, but would you see what it says there in verse 33? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. No limitation put upon you. Listen, no accusation suffered against you. Oh, it is true this morning that the devil is much to accuse us of. He is called the accuser. The Bible reminds us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The advocate, my friend, 
That is, as I could use the parallel, the lawyer who knows the worst about us but makes the best of our defense. He is a lawyer. I want to tell you this. Jesus Christ is our heavenly advocate. He knows everything about us. There's nothing, my friend, in your life past, present, or that which is to come that he didn't know it back then. And he knows all about it now. And as our sufficient advocate, he is before the throne of the Father, living adequately to represent you. He knows the worst about you, but he doesn't make the best of it. He presents you as him very self. Listen, the accuser comes. The devil, he comes with all of the accusations. Listen, it is enough. Christ has died. My friend in heaven today, there is not one accusation of one sin against you. That's how much God loves you. No limitation on the price. No accusation in heaven. Listen to what it says. There is no condemnation. Is it any wonder that Wesley wrote those words? No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Oh, my friend, this morning, I tell you this. God is for us. according to his elective purpose, before we ever exist. God is for us by his effective power, day by day, working in our lives. God is for us by the expensive price paid at Calvary. No limitation, no accusation, no condemnation. My friend, let me sum this up by the words of the Apostle Paul when he assured us that God is for us by the extensive promise that he has given to us. Listen to what it says in these words. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Beloved, I ask you the question this morning. Who, what, can ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? The, the apostle here sets up, as it were, protagonists, seven of them. Shall tribulation? Shall distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. Why, these are things that he, he faced in his life. Listen to it. There is no circumstance, no situation. As the Scriptures say, my friend, no weapon has been formed in hell that will prosper against you. Why, he says these words, as it is written, as it is written, for thy, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter, nay, in all of these things. Listen, what things? In the distress, in the persecution, in the famine, nakedness, danger, sword, in these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Amazing how the Apostle Paul used the analogy of many of the games, the sports of the day. And I remember not too long ago... Uh, England were playing one of the, the uh, Pacific nations, the, the, I think the Fijian Islands, who were playing, playing rugby. Rugby is similar to American football. But on that day, England won the game 106 to 0. <laughs> I mean, they just didn't win. They, they annihilated. Or if we could use the word here, they were just not conquerors. Listen to it. They were more than conquerors. My friend, may I just remind you that the security of the believer is this this morning. We are not just skimming through. We are going home in victory. We this morning, listen to it, as Christians, encourage yourself, says the Scriptures, we are more than conquerors through Christ. 
Is there a doubt about it? The Apostle Paul now lines up, as it were, the extremes of state. Listen to what he says. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, the extremes of beings, neither angels nor principalities, of things present or things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other creature shall be ever able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Beloved, this morning, you're a Christian, you're blessed. You should be encouraged today. This sweep takes us from eternity past when he thought upon us with infinite love and brings us all the way through this power working for us and the love that he had for us to eternity future. And nothing shall ever be able to separate us than that love that began before we ever began. And I tell you this this morning, there is not a doubt about it. God is for us. Wasn't it to your president, Abraham Lincoln, in those terrible days of the Civil War, someone came to Lincoln and asked this question, President, President, do you think that God is for us? Is God on our side? Lincoln thought for a moment and said, Sir, it is not important that God is on our side. It is important that we are on God's side. Do I speak to someone this morning and you're out of Christ? My friend, you're groveling in the mire of the pit. You're walking in the darkness of your sin. Looking up ahead, the scriptures remind us that for such a person, there is no hope. You're on the broad road, my friend, and do I need to remind you that that broad road is leading not only down, but to the darkness of a lost eternity without Christ. My friend, I tell you this this morning, it is important that you be on the Lord's side. In Christ, no condemnation, no limitation. My friend, thank God for eternity. No separation. Let us pray. Out of full hearts this morning, hearts that have already been melted through our brother's message and song that when our guilt separated us and when we could not come to him, thank God he came to us. My friend, do I speak to someone who is not a Christian here today and God is coming to you. He has come to you in this service. You have heard his voice. You know the burden of your sin. Don't you think it's time to get right with God and come to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior? We invite you to come to the Savior this morning. and Thank God. And that day happens and that moment arrives. Oh, happy day that fixed my choice. This can be a happy day if you'll come to Christ. Believers, out of full hearts this morning, let us praise him. For of a truth we know that God is for us. What a conflict we're in. But thank God there is no comparison. There is a great contrast. God is with us, even though Satan and hell may be against us. Therefore, in this glorious confidence, we go out today knowing, knowing the presence and power of God working in us, through us and for us. Our Father, 
Bless thy word to all of our hearts, and we ask of thee this day that you will give to men and women, boys and girls and young people amongst us, the grace to take that step and come to Christ, to receive him as personal Savior, and for those, our Father, who know thee, to dedicate and surrender their lives to thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand this morning. Isn't that a great thought to be given this morning that God is for us? Isn't that a wonderful thought? God is for us. For some of you today, I know it's been a message to your heart, what you're going through. Just to know God is for you. He's for each of you. As he said, and as we pray, there may be those today that do not know the Lord, do not know Christ. When we sing in just a moment, we're going to invite you to come forward. There may be those here today that are going through certain situations in your life. I want to remind you, God is for you. And you may just want to get up out of your seat and come and talk to the God that is for you. Whatever the need, whatever the reason, this altar, this invitation is open for you to come have a moment with God, to talk with God about the things that He's talked to you about. And I want to encourage you to get up out of your seat in a moment and come. There may be those here today that like to unite with our church as we open the doors of church as we do every Sunday. We invite you to come if God is leading you to be a part of our fellowship. But as we sing, will you get up out of your seat? Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Come. Let the Lord work these things into your heart that you've heard this morning. As we sing, come.